Well, Happy New Year. Great to see you in church this morning. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas time. You got to spend it with all the people that you enjoy the most and no one that you enjoy the least. Let's hope so. For me, I get to spend it with half the people I enjoy the most because the other half are over in Australia. But we've developed some really cool traditions over the time that I've been here. And, uh, and we do this thing on, a, on Christmas Eve, which solves the problem of whether we should open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day because we do both, right? It's the only reasonable answer to, to, uh, to do both because we have an Australian Christmas. We celebrate Australian Christmas, which is on Christmas Eve. And then we celebrate American Christmas, which is wonderful. Uh, the only thing better than one Christmas is, of course, two Christmases, yeah. So we do a video chat on Christmas Eve with my, uh, with my family over in Australia, and we take it in turns to open gifts uh, that we've gotten each other. And uh, this has been a really cool kind of thing that we do, but it's caused a little confusion over the time. I mean, there's an ocean in between us and them, and things happen. And uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I was walking through the store here in America, and I thought, Man, there's a, there's a gift that I see for my sister. It's just shouting her name out. It was this necklace. I don't usually do this. It was a necklace, and, and it was in a jewelry store. It was on sale. I'm like, I think I need to get this. And so usually I would purchase something online and just have it shipped directly there. But I thought, oh, it's personal touch this year. She's going to get something a little special from her brother. I think she's going to love it. So I went ahead and got the necklace and gift wrapped it, put it in a box, and, and, just, uh, and, I, and I, I labeled it for her. And I thought, well, this year... Christmas is at, uh, is at grandma's house. And so maybe I'll just directly send it to grandma's house. And then when my sister walks in for Christmas Day, she'll see a present from her brother under the tree. What a beautiful, special thing. And so I went ahead and just uh, sent it to grandma. And uh, a couple days before Christmas, I got this phone call from grandma. She was so excited. I've never heard her like this before. She, was, she started just telling me how beautiful it is and how grateful she is and that she's never, ever received anything like it ever before. And it's just so, so special. And I was confused. Because <laughs> what I sent her were a pair of socks that gripped on the slippery floor. <laughs> I thought, this reaction is a little over the top. And then it finally came to me. She's opened the necklace. She's missed the fact that it was addressed to my sister, but to her house and just thought it was for her. And she opened it. She was so happy. So I did the only thing that a loving grandson and a terrible brother would do. And I uh, said, I love you, Grandma. You're welcome. I was just walking through the store and I was calling your name. (laughs) Uh, texted my sister, said, hey, sorry, dude, <clears throat> grandma stole your gift this year. <laughs> There's a nice pair of grippy socks if grandma hasn't taken those too. <laughs> I still remember the video chat that we had that year as we all sat around the Christmas tree and we videoed into Australia and grandma was walking around showing everyone her necklace and my sister was standing in the background <laughs> just seething. Have you ever had an unmet expectation? Have you ever had an unmet expectation? William Shakespeare once said, expectation is the root of all heartache. I think that we can all agree that when we have an expectation that isn't met, 
that it's like a thief that steals away our joy and our excitement and our happiness in our life. And it's funny that we know that, yet we still tend to expect the wrong things for our life, or we tend to expect the right things, but just at the wrong time. I think that this video clip puts it really well when it comes to unmet expectations. uh, I issued a challenge. I asked the parents of America to pull a little holiday trick on their children. We did this on Halloween with candy and got a lot of response to it. So we did it again, this time for Christmas. I asked parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said, put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents. And a lot of the kids, surprisingly, reacted poorly to that. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? What are you doing? Pushing <laughs> Okay. Wow. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. What do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. So you don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it. I'll eat it. (laughs) That's awesome. Hey, well, today is a bit of a special service. Uh, We have our kids in here with us, which is awesome. We love that you've come to join us. And in in this, we're going to allow for some different things today. It's going to be a little more interactive than normal. And so we're actually going to give you an opportunity if you came as a family or with somebody or as a group or you're just an extrovert and you just want to make friends. I'm going to give you permission here shortly to be able to talk in church, which is awesome, right? If you're an introvert, it's okay. I got you covered. Just go ahead and take notes for the questions that I'm going to ask, okay? You can go ahead and do that. I'm not offended. So I want to ask a couple of questions today. And, and, uh, and, And the first one is this. What unexpected thing has happened to you recently? What unexpected thing has happened to you recently, and how did it make you feel? I'm going to go ahead and give you a minute or so to talk about that as a group.
Okay. Sounds like some interesting things have been happening in your lives. That's good. <clears throat> you have to ask Renee what her story was earlier, uh, that she told earlier there later in the service. But um, hey, isn't it true that sometimes things exceed our expectations and other times things just fall dramatically short? The important thing to understand when it comes to our faith is that our expectations don't usually align with God's majesty and great plan. I think that if we really just take a look at the cross and everything that that represents, I think we can really start to understand that the expectations of people don't really align with God's elaborate plan. The fact that God sent the Messiah that we needed and not the one that anyone expected. Before Jesus, the Messiah came, and the Messiah meaning really just like the anointed one or the chosen one, I think the ancient Jews had these expectations of what this chosen one should be like, should look like, should act like. For you, the chosen one, just those words. If I say those words to you, the chosen one, what does it make you think of? What comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to your head? Shout it out. Star Wars? Excellent. Well, what else you got? <laughs> yeah. What else? Yeah. A king? Yeah, the, the anointed one, the chosen one. Yeah, what else? Just go ahead and shout it out if something comes to mind. Say it again. LeBron James. <laughs> the chosen one, yeah. Well qualified. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right, cool. What else we got? An angel. An angel, yeah. The chosen one is an angel. Sure, yeah. Anything else? Thank you, Chad. Yes. It's been far too long since we've used the beebs in church. Appreciate that, my friend. What is it now? Oh, yeah, the Matrix. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that's kind of along the lines of my thinking. When I think of the chosen one, I think of like a mighty warrior or, or the, the chosen king, the, the person that defends evil or, or, or the, the brave knight that pulls the sword from the stone and slays the dragon and saves the princess. Right? I, got, I got two girls under five and Disney is my life and that's kind of where my mind goes with that. The Jews, the ancient Jews, they had expectations of what this chosen one or what this anointed one would be like as well. They knew about God in, in some certain words that God used to describe himself in the Bible before the Messiah came, who was supposed to be the chosen one of God. And so this is what they knew really about what the Messiah would be like. Well, let's go to Isaiah. Everyone say Isaiah. Isaiah. <laughs> Don't change me. <laughs> Chapter 11, verse 4, it says this. With righteousness, he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth and he will strike, down, uh, strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And he, uh, with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. And then it's talked about there in Psalm 21, 9, when you appear for battle, you will burn them up as in a blazing furnace. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and his fire will consume them. And again in 29 verse 3 to 9, it says this, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. 
The voice of the Lord is a majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars, breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And all in his temple cry, glory. Man. Based on this description of God, I bet that the ancient Jews had a bit of an image of what the anointed one or the chosen one would be like. I think it was a little like this, right? <laughs> That's the anointed one. I'm home. This fearless warrior was the type of Messiah that the Jews expected. They believed that Jesus would fulfill this like warrior, soldier, king, job description and prophecy. They believed that he would deliver justice to the oppressed, that he would strike down the wicked, that he would arrive, like it says in Psalm 47, as the great king over all the earth who would subdue all other nations under their feet. The Jewish people expected a strong and a mighty ruler. And God sent a baby, right? They expected a fighter and they got a, a teacher. They expected a slayer of evil and they got a healer. They expected a war and they got a man that was full of peace. Jesus conquered by being conquered. He loved when everyone else hated. He served the lost, the forgotten, the outcast. Jesus, the king, willingly died for all, including his enemies. What an interesting and unexpected king. Jesus conquered sin by showing us how to live and then living a sinless life for himself and then dying for our sin. How unexpected. See, Jesus didn't follow the Disney-type, happily-ever-after script that I think was prescribed for him by expectations of the people. He didn't provide what everybody wanted or expected, but instead gave us exactly what humanity needed. D.A. Carson, a Canadian theologian, puts it so well. He says, if God perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. Exactly. If it was entertainment, he would have sent a comedian or an artist. If it was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If it was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and so he sent us a savior. All of us have expectations. Some of them are good and some of them bad, what job we're going to be getting, what sort of spouse we're going to have, what our kids are going to turn up and be like, if Netflix will ever increase their subscription every month. Fill in the blank for you. We tend to do that, though, don't we? We fill in the blanks of today for our kind of worries of tomorrow. We're not sure exactly how things are going to turn out. Again, it's not all bad things to expect. Sometimes it's just necessary to expect things for even making the simplest of plans, But when it comes to our faith, we need to understand that the way that God meets our expectations is in giving us what we need and not just what we want. 
I think that over time, we kind of develop this God default, a default that we perceive that God is going to act like in a certain situation in our lives, that if this happens to me, I know that God will do this. Let me tell you this for example. I I occasionally, when I have the time, uh, like to play video games on a PlayStation. Are there any other video gamers out there? Okay, very quiet. Oh, okay, okay. You guys know what I'm talking about here. Uh, Now, I I don't usually have a lot of time to do this, but when I do, I call it product testing for student ministries. Okay, very important. (laughs) I have a problem. Well, I have a lot of problems, but this is one of them. Uh, I'm an inverted player, okay? Uh, All of you gamers are like, man, and I'll tell you why they're thinking that way in a moment. When I push the controller up, my player looks down, okay? When I pull it up, I pull it back, and then he looks up, right? Uh, And so kind of up means down, down means up. I play inverted. What that means, I have to go into the system, and I have to change my settings from the default settings to inverted mouse or inverted joystick, whatever it is I'm playing on control. That means a couple of things. Number one, that means that I'm kind of, I'm a little slower to respond usually because my brain is doing more work, I guess. Number two, it annoys the heck out of all my friends that I play with whenever I play because they have to go back into the settings. They have to change it back to non-inverted before they can get started and play it. I, I thought to myself, man, I should really learn the other way. I mean, there's another way to do this. I should learn it. It would make it easier. It would make me faster. I'd be better at the game. I wouldn't just get killed as soon as I walked out and someone shot me in the game. Not that those games are very good children for you to play right now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I never have really gone to the lengths of trying to learn this other way. And I think to myself, ah. I think the game has so much more to offer, and I'm not really taking advantage of it. In a strange way, this kind of comes down to the same thing in our faith. We experience these defaults of what God will be like, and if we don't choose to allow ourselves to work outside or think outside these defaults we have for God, then we kind of miss out on some of the ways that he's acting in our life. For me, up until about the eighth grade, I went to a church and I was involved in a church where one of the main messages and thoughts on God was that he was the convictor of sin. And that led to a really unhealthy relationship with me and God because the only time that I thought of God that was outside of church was when I was doing something wrong, right? Oh, shoot, man, I got to deal with the consequences of this. God's going to come down. He's going to sort me right out because I stepped out of line here. How unhealthy is that? My relationship with God was based on sin. And it took me years to understand that God was so much more than that. So here's my question number two for you. What is your default for God? What part of God's nature do you think of first when you think of him? Or in other words, when you think of God, what part of his nature speaks to you the most? Why don't you spend a minute or so talking about that in your group again?
Okay. Sounds like some good conversations are happening. Can I hear a few of these? Um, is anyone willing to share? Maybe that even if it was new to you, like a revelation of what was your God default or you just knew it walking in here, what yours is. Oh, okay, yeah. To heal the God, the healer. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Loyalty. Oh, that's so cool. Good answer. Always present, ever present. Awesome. Yeah. Love. Good. Yeah. Patience. Forgiveness. Mercy. Yeah. Gracious Father. What is it? Compassion. Yeah. What is it? Someone say wisdom. Yeah. Light. Yeah, that's good. Kindness. That's awesome. Absolutely. According to research, it seems that we don't all share the same God default, funnily enough. We're all different people and we all experience God in a different way. your biblical, if your, if your idea or your default on who God is or who you see God to be is biblical but different to mine, that's actually a good thing because it allows me to see how you respond to God and your relationship with God and it helps me to get a more full understanding of who He is. Maybe your default is one of the following. God who is love, God who is the almighty judge, who is grace, who is truth, who is all-powerful, who walks with you, faithful, who convicts, who is angry, who is patient, who gives, who takes away, who is peace, who is in control. The difficult thing to wrap our minds around is the Bible says that he's all of those things. So when God doesn't meet our expectations, it's not a God problem. It's a default problem. It means that we've just got ourselves kind of sunken into one default that we expect God to be like. And he might be acting in another way that's wholly him as well. John introduces us to Jesus who is both and all. In John 1, starts in 14. It says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And continues, we'll go in verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace, already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. I believe that this year, God is challenging us to expand our defaults of who we know God to be. So here is the the question. We're going to leave you really with this today. Are you willing to expand on your defaults? Are you willing to see God who is love and yet is also the almighty judge? Are you willing to see God not just as the one who is grace, but also the one who is truth, as the God who is powerful, but also the God who walks with you? Not just the God who is faithful, but also the God who convicts. Not just the God who is angry, but also the God who is patient, 
Not just the God who gives, but also the God who takes away. And not just the God of peace, but also the God who is in control. When the Messiah, when the chosen one came, he didn't come as expected or anticipated or understood by all. There was a king-sized problem, and he sent a baby to go fix it. And believe it or not, the baby was exactly what humanity needed at exactly the right time. And the same is still true. God is exactly who you need, no matter where you find yourself today. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that you are end all. We thank you that no matter who we find ourselves to be or what situation we find ourselves to be, that, Father, you have an answer for us because you are and all. Lord, we pray that today you would help us to understand more fully who you are. Lord, I pray that whatever default we've been stuck in and and sunken into, where we don't fully get an understanding of what you're doing, Lord, would you pull us out of that? Help us to see another view. Help us to get more perspective on you. Father, I pray that as we do, we would encourage those people around us to see you in a different way. We ask, Father, for your grace and favor. In your mighty name, amen.